Greetings and welcome into College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. And normally this time of the year, we'd be gearing up for two great weeks, pressure-packed 14 days at the NCAA Championships. But as we know by now, the rest of the college golf season was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we thought, Brentley, what would be a fun alternative to share our thoughts, collaborate with the best minds in college golf, and maybe simulate, shall we say, for this particular podcast, the Women's NCAA Championships. You and I put our heads together. I think we have some uh, pretty smart people aboard. I think it's going to be some uh, some good times and fun, Brentley. Yeah, really excited for it, Burko. Really two of my favorite weeks every year. been looking forward to NCAAs every year for almost a decade now. So Obviously, really bittersweet, but I'm glad we were able to do something fun. And uh, I think I speak for all of us in that we really enjoyed putting this together. So we hope everyone likes it and appreciates it and uh, should be interesting to see, uh, you know, who comes out on top. We've got to do something at this point of the season to have some fun. So again, we came up with a collaborative group effort by those that follow the college game to pick our eight teams that we thought would make it to the match play for the women's NCAA individual championships. We also crowned an individual champ, and then we filled out our brackets. By the end of this podcast, we're going to let you know what we thought would be the team to take home the trophy in 2020. And again, to have some fun, a good chat and conversation, by no means any disrespect to the student-athletes or programs, just something to maybe soften the blow of not having the NCAAs. And again, this is the women's NCAA simulation. We'll have the men's coming your way next week because we're all craving college golf right now. And if that's you, be sure to check out Golf on Campus presented by Golf Pride, a new five-part series hosted by Amanda Blumenhurst featuring some of the top men's and women's programs in collegiate golf. Golf on Campus is available on Golf Channel's YouTube page. First release date, Monday, May 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is all the housekeeping we needed to take care of. Our patience and our thanks to Julie Williams, a writer for Golf Week, and Ryan Harrington, managing editor for GolfDigest.com. When I was out on the bike today, guys, I'm coming up with maybe 60 to 65 years combined of college golf experience, knowledge covering this game. So uh, our thanks to you guys for joining us. We're going to have a little fun. And what would normally be a Monday at the NCAAs, the final day of stroke play, and that chance to see who is an individual champ, who are the eight teams moving on. I said, let's get right to it. Individual title. Let's give a brief synopsis, Brentley. Who did you have winning it all as the medalist in 2020? You know, I really like to pick, at least for the individual portion, a hometown player someone who knows the course, someone who knows that type of golf. So I went with Lynn Grant, a freshman from Arizona State. Coming into the season, I was talking with Arizona uh, State's head coach, uh, Missy Farquay, and she said that Lynn Grant has the chance to be one of the best ASU players of all time. And if you know the history of Arizona State women's golf, it's pretty good. I, she, she had – she didn't – you know, she – she didn't have, you know, the two, three wins that maybe uh, Natalie uh, Shrini Vassan had, but she did have five top tens. Her last event before the season got canceled, she won. That was the Dr. Donis. I just think Lynn Grant just has that X factor to where 
as the spring progressed and we got to NCAAs, I thought she was going to break out in a big way. So that's why I picked her. But plenty of, you know, plenty of uh, worthy candidates to choose from. Julie, welcome in. Thank you for joining us. Good to see you in this new virtual world. Who did you have taking home the individual title at Greyhawk? You know, I like Brittley's thinking going with the local angle. And if he's going to bring up uh, Lynn Grant, I'm also going to bring up Olivia Mahaffey, who's a senior at Arizona State. Um, but my winner, I think, I think Amelia Miliaccio Wake Forest um, was we were about to see her hit peak form. I don't think we ever saw her get her game to the point that it could be uh, in the first, what, 60% of the season that we got through. So I think maybe there's a player who really lost out on having the run up to the postseason and the postseason canceled. So I have to go with, with her. I think we would see her on top. Ryan Harrington, always a pleasure, my friend. We should be in Arizona, but this will have to suffice for these days. Uh, hope you and the family are doing well. Who did you have as number one on the individual side? Well, I hate to copy Julie, but uh, I, I agree with her. I think Amelia, I was really impressed, obviously, with the win at the Darius Rucker to, to finish off uh, what unfortunately was the finish of their season. And, and I feel like there was going to be some momentum here. And, and the entire Wake team looked like they were, you know, pushing each other and whatnot. And I, I really do think that she was going to have a, a spring that we're all going to remember. And so unfortunately for her, uh, it's a, a mythical national championship here, but uh, that's who I would have given it to. Also, yeah, just to reason- piggy, piggyback off of both of them, Amelia was third at the Thunderbird, the AJGA junior event, uh, uh, her senior year of high school. So she, actually, she has a little bit of history around Greyhawk as well. So I like that pick. I had a little local flavor about 100 miles down the road in Tucson going with Vivian Ho, who continued to knock on the door throughout the course of the regular season, thinking maybe that was going to be the breakthrough for her. So our top three as it uh, finished out. And again, our uh, simulation is well beyond this four. We had about a dozen minds in the college golf world all chime in with their input. And it was Amelia Miliacho, Vivian Ho, Natalie Srinivasan, the top three individually as we saw things playing out in May in Greyhawk uh, without the pandemic. The eight teams that made it off of stroke play in the match play, I'm going to quickly rattle them off. Wake Forest, Southern Cal, Arizona State, Duke, Texas, Kent State, Arizona, UCLA. Those are the eight teams that our number crunching squad came together saying they were going to survive and make it to match play. Anyone opposed to maybe a team that wasn't inside that top eight, or are we all on board that those were the eight that were going to move on to Tuesday morning and match play? Eh, Burko, I got a little bit of beef. People looking surprise, at, surprise. Yeah, people looking <laughs> at this this top eight are are going to say, "Wow, that's you know, that's a lot of the highly ranked teams." I think every year you always see one team kind of sneak in there that no one was expecting, and I really liked Michigan State, and I, I know they're from an area of the country that's almost completely different from Arizona and, and Greyhawk, but this team has a lot of experience in past Marfa Sands, Allison Gear Park, their really vaunted one-two punch of seniors. They won twice as a team, three more top threes, including the All-State Sugar Bowl, which is you know, one of the tougher fields of the spring, Um, certainly not the toughest, but it was still a pretty impressive showing by them. So I just, 
really expected them to be the kind of breakout Cinderella story that maybe Auburn arguably was last year. Julie, Ryan, someone in there or someone out that should have been in there in your opinion? Well, I see your Michigan State there, uh, Brentley, and I respect that, but I'm looking at Ole Miss. I mean, four wins as a team, I feel like they had some spunk. Um, their coach is highly motivated. I think that tr that transfers into the players. I think they got some big personalities on that team. Um, I think in our simulation, what they came one, one spot short, right? So maybe we'll say they lost in the playoff there to UCLA. Uh, we always like a playoff when we're making the match play bracket, right? Um, and I'd just like to know, you know, we didn't have Stanford in, in that top eight in the match play, which uh, have we seen a bracket in NCAAs without a, you know, a Stanford women's team. That, but I think, you know, they got hurt by the couple of players they lost at Q school. Um, so I think that's something notable. But um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still looking at that Ole Miss. I think they would have been in. Yeah. When you talk about Stanford, Julie, Alvin Valenzuela, Andrea Lee, turning pro, not back for their final semesters. And you're right, we always expect Dan Walker's team to make it the match play, but I think we were all on that same boat of this was going to be the year where maybe they just didn't have the depth uh, moving forward. Ryan, we good with those eight or someone uh, you want to make a case for? I have to admit, again, Julie, you can't be in front of me anymore in this line. I was going <laughs> to mention Old Miss uh, because I do think that there, there's something about that, and I agree with you. It's not always chalk here, obviously. These, there, there are some surprises that come through. I think in our simulation too, it looked like LSU is a, a few spots down the list. That would have been one other one that I could have seen surprise a little bit. Ingrid Lindblad, uh, you know, helping really kind of push the uh, the Tigers here and, and perhaps get them into the top eight. But, but overall, I, I think that's a pretty solid group. It's hard to knock too many of those teams. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat when we fill this out and work through the permutations. You're like, chalk, 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 chalk. And to Brentley's original point, there's going to be someone you just don't expect. Personally, I just didn't have the guts to pull the trigger on one of those teams. I go back to, what was it, 2016 in Oregon, where Alabama, Georgia, Florida, all the eastern and southeastern teams went out to the Pacific Northwest and laid an egg. They were absolutely overmatched by the intimidating factor of Eugene Country Club. So I always look at that aspect when you are traveling 2,000 miles to a place for the most part, you're not overly familiar with playing on. So that's just my two cents on it. We've got our eight. We can't change the eight. So let's move on to the quarterfinals, which would be on a Tuesday morning, bright and early in Greyhawk in Arizona. And we'll start right with the 1-8 seed. That was Wake Forest against UCLA. And we're not going to go through each individual match of the five because our permutations and numbers said Wake Forest was going to beat UCLA. I'm going to start with Ryan Harrington, because I'm not going to let you get shortchanged here. Are you good with Wake taking down the Bruins? I am, yes, no. Again, and, and that, too, bucks trends at times in these match play events where the number one seeds don't always uh, have some roller or easy uh, coast to, to the finals. But I think in this case, Again, uh, there's going to be a storyline that plays out with this team of trying to avenge what happened the year before. And I could see them having a lot of momentum once they got into the match play, knowing that, hey, they're just a couple steps away from what they wanted to win the year before. And so I do think they would have pulled it out against UCLA here. Yeah, you think about Wake Forest making it to the championship match at the Blessings in 2019, losing in that final match extra holes against their conference rivals from Duke. You lose Jennifer Cupshow, and arguably they are as good, if not better, 
than they were a year ago. Julie, you on board with the Deacons uh, taking down Kerry Forsyth and the Bruins? Yeah, I'm absolutely on board with Wake Forest. I think what I like about that lineup is that they there's so much, well, you know, they switched around. There were different players who were winning throughout the season. And, um, you know, I, I always think of Amelia probably being like the headline player, maybe because she's the most outspoken, because we see her the highest and like the wagger, you know, but she wasn't the top finisher every week. Um, and I consider her, you know, a really strong um, match play player, you know, so I look at any match that she's in and I'd be hard pressed to find someone who I think is going to take her down. So you, so you get one point, I think automatically there, and then there's a lot of strength behind her. Brentley Romine, I don't think you're going to jump on board with Wake cruising past UCLA. The stage is yours. Well, hopefully this isn't a trend of me being a contrarian to, to everyone. But I, if, if we had to just go, all right, here are a – and fill out the bracket all the way and not kind of reconvene every single round, I would have had UCLA in the final. Just because we talk about the unpredictability of match play, and you also look at this UCLA team where – there's three freshmen and there could have potentially been four freshmen actually in their lineup come NCAA time. And a lot of them are international players with a lot of match play experience. I mean, Emma Spitz, two junior Ryder cups, two junior Solheim cups, European ladies, Vagliano trophy. She won the 2018 girls British open amateur, which was match play. Emily Patronieri. She won the 2018 Italian ladies match play around a 16 at the girls amateur last year. So we're talking about, Two, two freshmen who are really bulldogs in match play, and they're matched up against Wake's two best players in two of the first three matches. So my whole you know, thought process was those two girls are going to come out ready to play. You know, they're going to take out two of Wake's, you know, arguably their two best players in Emilia Emiliaccio and uh, freshman Rachel Keene. And it's really just going to be up to one of the other three to, to get it done. So I, I really liked UCLA just because of the, the youth factor. I, I know I talked about experience earlier, but I think in match play, um, you know, I, I, you know, not having a lot of scar tissue could actually probably be, you know, be a good thing. So I just really liked UCLA and I was kind of, kind of bummed that, that they didn't make it through. I think it was a landslide too, but uh, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm kind of bummed. You're, you are the outlier, typically, for us, Brentley, so we'll, we'll let you slide there. And you, you have to wonder, guys, if there was maybe a little bit of pressure on Wake throughout the course of this season. We'll never know how it would have played out, but as we discuss the simulation a little bit more, because we have them moving on to the semifinals, you know, how much does last year, you alluded to it, Brentley, provide that scar tissue and maybe thinking back to what might have been. So, the team says Wake Forest moving on to the semifinals. Up next, a two versus seven matchup, a Pac-12 flavor battle here, USC and Arizona. You know what, Ryan? I'm not going to let you get slided again. I'm going to go right back to you. We had the Trojans taking down Arizona. You on board with that? I am on board with that. Uh, a close match. Again, I think uh, the fact that these two teams probably know each other very well, have gone head to head in a lot of different tournaments and whatnot, motivated even more interesting. Um, but it, indeed, I, I was going to go with the Trojans here. I, again, it, it, it's tricky because you don't know how match play works out. And like you said, momentums and swings and whatnot. But I just feel like the, the depth and the experience of some of those USC players uh, would have won out here and, and, and held them prevail. 
Julie, would the host sisters have enough to get the Wildcats through, in your opinion? You know, I, I'm looking at them, you know, on the first two matches out, and I think they're strong players, no question about that. But I look at who they're matched up with, and they're going to take on Amelia Garvey and Gabriella Ruffles. Okay, so we've got the reigning U.S. Women's AM champion there, a just match play buzzsaw. She won, obviously, all her matches at the Women's AM, all her matches at the North and South Women's AM, the, you know, a couple of weeks before that. She's another one who I probably would pair up with a lot of people and have a hard time finding someone who can, who can knock her off. So I think USC gets the first two points on the board. And then I look down the list, and I think Allison Corpus puts the third point on the board, and I think that puts them ahead of Arizona. I mean, Arizona has been strong in match play in the last couple of years, but I think the loss of, you know, no Haley Moore anymore, no Bianca P. You know, I don't know if they bring the same firepower that they did the last two years. Yeah, there's Julia, a, lot of, a lot of question marks on in, in those last three matches for Arizona. I was going to say the same thing, Julie. I just feel like – they had a lot of momentum in Arizona in these match play competitions the last couple of years, but they've, they've lost that. They've lost the experience there. And it's funny because in my simulation, I actually had the host sisters winning both their matches and then the rest of the USC lineup coming through and, and pulling it out. Um, but, but, uh, but ultimately, again, I just felt like there was too much uh, firepower, if you will, uh, for USC and, and they would pull it out. I mean, we're burying the lead here as Julie goes with, Bianca P and not Bianca Pagdangan and one of the hardest names we had on our broadcast. That is just a savvy move by Julie there. Brentley, Southern Cal, you got to be on board with Justin Silverstein and his team. Yeah, 4-1, maybe 5-5-0. Five, five, oh. uh, we mentioned Gabby Ruffles being the, the reigning U.S. Women's Open champion. Mila Garvey reached the final of the Ladies British Amateur. And I think there's going to be a theme here uh, in our match play simulation with Garvey leading things off and uh, uh, getting the first point on the board and USC following suit. So I, I'm really high on, uh, you know, the, the women of Troy, as they call them. Yes, they do. So we've got Wake Forest and Southern Cal, the one and two seeds, moving on to the semis. Now, this bottom half of the bracket, it gets intriguing for me. You've got number three, Arizona State, going up against number six, Kent State. The survey says Arizona State would prevail at home. How easy do you think it would have been for the Sun Devils to, to advance, Julie? You know, if I had to pick an upset, I might pick my upset here um, because, you know, home, home course is an advantage for sure, but it's also a little bit of extra pressure. Um, and I think Kent State, State is really tough. I, I saw them, in fact, the one college tournament that I got to uh, was the UCF challenge this year, and I watched Kent State win that. And, I, you know, I think they're deep. So, so I could see a situation where Kent State, a lot of seniors on that roster, uh, knock off the home team. Yeah, I, I'm going to piggyback on a line you said there. I've always been a big believer that home course and stroke play, my opinion, is a stroke per player. So you're already 15 clear or, or 12 for the counting scores in a 54-hole tournament. But I'm going to go back to what Casey Martin told me at Oregon four years ago when his team ultimately won the national title at home. And I said, you've got a huge advantage. He said, yep. And we've got a whole lot of pressure because we are expected to win and anything less won't be accepted by Joe Fan or someone in the athletic department. So there is that fine line between having that advantage and also realizing the expectations go well beyond their team. 
Brentley, ASU, moving on. Okay, uncertain. Where do you stand? Uh, I have Arizona State winning, but uh, I will add to the fact that by by this point, everyone who has made it this far has already played this course five times in five days. So if you're not good enough to know a course at the back of your hand in five straight days, then you might as well not even be here. So I don't think – I think as we saw last year – in numerous times in the past, uh, but I'll, you know, specifically mention Arkansas last year um, on the women's side. By the time they got into match play, that home course advantage was not a not a storyline anymore. So, I I could see Kent State pushing Arizona State, but I think we're going to see Olivia Mahaffey kind of return to the player that she's been the first three years. Obviously, she had a really bad uh, wrist injury last summer. Uh, when she fell while she was hiking. So she's only continuing to get better. T2 at the Northrop Grumman this spring. And then I mentioned Lynn Grant, how how high on her I am. And you really only need one other win. Um, I I like my chances uh, with Arizona State against Kent State right now. And Julie, I, I know that you're at the UCF Challenge, but can you tell me if Arizona State or any of these other teams were at that event? They were not at that event. So, they, so Kent State – uh, has 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 their work cut out for them, I think. Wow. Good Lord, we're 20 minutes in and you're just throwing haymakers, Brentley. We're not even out of the quarters yet. Uh, Mr. Hey, Harrington. Interesting, Berko. I agree. Uh, Mr. Harrington, you on board? ASU moves on at home? Yeah, I mean, I, I, the arguments both pro and against ASU and the home course the advantage thing uh, make a lot of sense to me. But uh, And I think... Kent State would have been, like you guys have said, the, the best upset of this group. They're a really, really strong team. I don't think people appreciate enough of what they've done with that program and, and what they do year in and year out. It's a tough place to, to have a great uh, golf program. And, and so I could really see them giving Arizona State a run. But I just do think the familiarity and, and they, yeah, they'd have pressure playing at home. But I, I just think that the lineup is so solid. And uh, I'm going like, to piggyback again, apparently here, uh, Olivia Mahaffey, I think she's just going to be playing better and better and better. And I really see her being somebody that could carry this team this week very far. So uh, I, I, I go with Arizona State definitely. You know, we've dealt with weather delays throughout the previous handful of NCAA championships. Bear in mind, it could easily be 95, 100, 105 degrees. Probably no rain in Arizona at Greyhawk, but that is something to consider as well as these days get longer for these young women. Our last quarterfinal, Duke versus Texas. I'll just say it, Duke moved on. I was on the other side of this. I thought Texas Longhorns, considering how they played a year ago, getting knocked out in the quarters by Auburn. I thought they were a team on a mission. That's taking nothing away from Duke. I feel like Duke was in a very similar spot a season ago before this college campaign got canceled, wondering just how good are they? So also to jump in and lead off, I had Texas taking down Duke. Brentley, uh, who'd you have, the Blue Devils or Longhorns? I had the, the reigning national champions, but uh, I will say this. This is probably the toughest one for me to pick. And, you know, I, I just don't think that the matchups that, that we produced really favored Texas because you look at probably arguably their best player in Caitlin Papp going up against Duke's best match play player in Anna Bellitz. And you also look at Agat Lenny, who we have in, you know, in their top five for this NCAAs. She didn't, she didn't play much 
you know, I, I don't think she played at all in the fall because she was battling a, uh, an injury of, of some sort. And I think she recently uh, returned for one event in the spring, but she's hasn't, hadn't, hadn't played much. So granted she could have rounded into form, but I, I, I just think at this point with what we know, I think she could end up being a little bit of a liability for Texas. And I just really like Duke pulling off a very close win. Um, I, I do think Texas will have something to prove after Auburn beat them last year, but I just don't know if this was the right matchup for them. Julie, where do you stand on this one? I got to go with Duke also. Um, and I, and I appreciate your thought about Texas coming back with the mission. And, and I, I like that thinking and I agree with that thinking, but I don't think that that can carry them over the talent that the Duke team has. I think that's where it fell for me. Um, both teams look pretty similar to what they looked like last year. Both have a really strong freshman who came in. Duke brought in Erica Shepard. Texas brings in Sophie Goh. And interestingly, in our simulation, those two meet. I just, I just have to pick Erica Shepard and that. Uh, she's got a lot of USGA experience. She's got two USGA titles. You know, I, I can see Duke looking at the way we've set up the matches. I can see Duke going one, two, three, winning those first three matches, and they're on their way. So, you know, a point from Erica, a point from Jeannie Kim, a point from Jarby Boonshot, they're in. So I think it's Duke. I think they're on their way. Ryan, help me out. I know I'm wrong nine out of ten times, but am I the only one on this podcast thinking that Texas was going to take down Duke? Uh, unfortunately, you are. Uh, I, I've seen Duke uh, pull things out too many times. My first NCAA was 2002. They won there. They, they've won so many times. And, and I, I just, when I look at the head-to-head matchups on this one, I, I agree. I think that's what, uh, you can look at the Texas lineup and it's really strong and they got some really good players, but for some reason they just didn't shake out to me when you had the way we had head-to-heads go. So I actually, I had the Duke win in the first three matches and then, you know, obviously rolling. So uh, it's hard to pick against the Blue Devils. Uh, I understand why you picked Texas, but but you're wrong. So no. And, and just to interject, Jeez, I'm wrong. <laughs> just to interject real quick, I mentioned uh, Agat Lenny. I I thought she had only played once uh, this spring. Well, she didn't play at all in the fall. She played three times in the spring: T18, T20, T23. So um, that's that's pretty solid. So I take back the fact that she could be a liability, but I still got Duke. But she still has to play him. All right, all right. Just throwing that out there. And Ryan, I do remember 2002, the Blue Devils winning. Verada near a Pathpong Porn beating Lorena Ochoa to win the individual title out at uh, in Bremerton, Washington. Uh-oh. Washington National. Yeah, what a we're we're old, by the way. This we're the we bulk of the 60 plus years experience in covering college golf. Is that was 18 years ago? All right, we'll put that beside us. So we've got. Wake Forest, Southern Cal, Arizona State, Duke. Those are the top four seeds. We have them moving on. So we will continue to roll along to the semis, a one versus four matchup. Wake Forest against Duke, a rematch of the 2019 National Championships. Ryan, I will let you lead it off. This time, our simulation says that Wake Forest gets revenge. Uh, And and that's what I would have predicted too. You know, it's the... It's the kind of thing where I'm going to start to repeat myself a little bit, but I just, I do think there's a mission going on here uh, with the Demon Deacons. And I, and I think uh, they, they, 
felt like they probably should have walked away with the title last year. Uh, you know, they, they lost their senior leader, obviously, and, and yet they had a lot of talent coming back, a lot of people ready to prove that, that they really deserve to win a title. And, and, and I think they relish the fact that they get to play against Duke again and really get to prove it to themselves uh, and, and to everybody else that, that they were a team that deserved to be in the finals last year and deserved to go even farther. So I, I picked them coming out and beating Duke and, and, and moving on to the finals. Julie, is it going to be Duke twice in a row taking care of the Demon Deacons, in your opinion, or just Wake uh, even the score? I think I think Wake this time. I, you know, somebody said earlier scar tissue, and while I, you know, I get that, I think this is more, you know, you've been there. And I think that's a trend that we have seen a few times for in the women's NCAAs, especially. I'm thinking, you know, like back back to Washington. I'm thinking a couple of these teams that show up a few years in a row and then they get through. So I think it makes a huge difference for Wake Forest that, okay, we've been here, we're coming back. I think they're ultimately the stronger team. I think they're just the deeper team. Um, I think it's I think it's Wake Forest. Brentley, I mean, it could be a coin toss. Again, lineups very similar to what we saw a year ago, both teams with four of the five players back in the lineup. And they didn't, for the most part, get any worse. They're pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I think if there's one team that's not going to get caught up in, oh, we're the defending champions, oh, we beat them last year, um, I think it's Duke. I, I think they're, it's a very mature bunch when you, you know, put the tee in the ground and, you know, start the match I just don't know if Wake really again I'm going to talk about matchups again I just don't know if they really got the right matchup because you look at that that first match Swing Lu is a very you know uh what what, what was that word you uh used earlier Julie spunky a lot of spunk <laughs> yeah she, she's just it seems uber positive and I just think she's going to run into Anna Bellitz who is just uber focused and I think Bellitz is just gonna I mean she's just gonna beat her like four and three because I just really like Anna Bellitz in match play she's she's kind of shown that that fire that uh determination in the past uh, probably ever since she was a junior playing in some of those international team events but I, I really like teams that get off to strong starts. And if Erica Shepard, who's one of U.S. girls junior, she can somehow beat Emilia Emiliaccio or push her to extra holes, I think that's going to spur Gina Kim. That's going to spur Jarvi Boonchamp, who's arguably probably Duke's best player, and we rarely talk about her. Uh, I think that's just going to spur them. And uh, Miranda Wong, she was, kind of, uh, she was kind of the forgotten player last year, and for good reason. She didn't really play that well. But this year, she really turned it around. Uh, and, you know, I could see her beating Lauren Walsh, too. So not only do I have Duke, I might have him 4-1 here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And let's go back to Miranda Wong. She did win the national title or clinch it for Duke a year ago. And shameless plug, we've got the re-air of the 2019 NCAA championship match coming on Golf Channel uh, next week, which would have been the championship. And I sat down with Dan. Brooks and the three-point winners for Duke, uh, virtually that is, and, and we're going to sort of integrate the interviews from earlier in May to what they were going through. And, and I'll be honest, I, I learned more about Miranda and her relationship with Dan in that afternoon on my computer putting the show together. That was a um, critical relationship 
throughout the spring that really came to fruition for those 12 and a half, 13 holes. They walked together. Miranda hit the shots. I can assure you, having Dan there, that was a huge help. That was maybe the 15th club. Uh, so I welcome you to, to watch that and listen to it. It's pretty intriguing stuff. So I've lost complete focus. We're off the rails. So we've got some wake up. But, but you're saying Duke, Brentley, because I want to jump in here. Erica Shepard, very talented. You mentioned the USGA pedigree and championships. Looking at numbers, looking at results, she's been disappointing, in my opinion. For a Duke caliber freshman, she's played nicely, but I think we're used to all-stars coming in and firing right up that leaderboard. Very good, very talented. I go back to 30 minutes ago. This isn't a knock on anyone, but we're breaking down what we see and what we know. In the matchup we have against Amelia Acho, I mean, to me, that's Amelia. Uh, showing Erica that you'll get there one day, but it won't be today. Just my two cents, but uh, I would side to Wake Forest as well. So I think, again, Brentley, no surprise, you're the outlier, 3-1, we're all against you, but uh, you've got a chance. We'll let you lead off here with the 2-3 matchup. Again, Wake, we have simulated to the championship showdown. Southern Cal, Arizona State, 2-3 matchup. Home team, loaded team from USC. Who did you have moving on? Well, I was really, really looking forward to a, uh, an inner city, you know, final between UCLA and USC. So I, I had the Trojans beating Arizona State in a really close match. Olivia Mahaffey, when, when she was a freshman, when Arizona State won that 2017 title, she, she begged uh, Missy to, you know, basically go off first. She, she sent her a text or, you know, and, and said, I want to go off first. And so she did and she delivered. And I think that she's going to deliver against Amelia Garvey and probably the best match that we're going to see this week in the simulation uh, that we're doing. But after that, Gabby Ruffles did not have the type of season that we expected her post women's amateur victory. And she did win this spring, but she followed that by WDing with a back injury. For some reason, I just think that, She's going to find something and beat Lynn Grant, and then it's kind of going to snowball after that. And Alea Abdelghani is a real wild card for me. She's a player that last spring she didn't qualify for the Northrop Grumman uh, Regional Challenge, which is one of the premier events of the spring. It really lit a fire under her. She went on, she finished top, top 10. I think she had seventh, seventh place finishes at both the Pac-12s and their regional played pretty solidly at national championship last year. Well, talking to their head coach, Justin Silverstein, he really expected her to have a huge close to this season. Obviously we won't get to see that, but knowing and believing what he tells me, I just really think that we're going to see Alea Abdelghani be a real hero for USC. And again, you only need three points. I think they get that. I got USC three, two. Ryan, are you on board with the women of Troy, or are you staying with the home team? No, I think this is where the uh, the momentum uh, of the hometown uh, crowd uh, does the Sun Devils in. I, I agree with the Brentley. USC is my pick, and, and I even have them lose the first two matches. Mahaffey and Grant get the jump on them, but the, the, the bottom end of this lineup at USC comes through. Like you said, Abdelghani, I think, is – 
a wild card a little bit, uh, but I think she'll play well. Corpus plays well now. And I, I just think that they start to, uh, to help out the, the top players uh, and, and get them to the finals. I am on board with USC. Julie, are we going to make it a perfect four for four? Yeah, I'm going to go with USC. Uh, and I agree with the, the uh, sentiment about the back of the lineup there gets it done. Uh, and I'm looking at those first two, those first two matchups where you have Amelia Garvey versus Olivia Mahaffey, Gabby Ruffles versus Lynn Grant. And I'm going to steal a line from Amelia Garvey herself. I don't know if y'all have checked into the Garves show. Uh, that she does on the USC Twitter or uh, whatever their social media is. Uh, but she has the line and it's always, how good? So I'm going to say that about these matches because these are the two matches that if I was sitting in the media tent and figuring out who I was going to walk with or who I wanted to walk with that day, I'd be torn with those. I'd want to watch every hole of those two matches. So I think this would have been excellent theater, regardless of the fact that I didn't even pick Arizona State to get there. Well, I have a six and a half and a four and a half year old, two boys that limit my social media. So I'll have to trust you that uh, my binge watching of Ozark uh, every night is about as far as I can get <laughs> during my downtime. Uh, okay, then. Wake Forest, Southern Cal, surprise, surprise. The two top seeds from stroke play, our team, part of it, run this podcast, the rest of it behind the scenes, working on the simulations. We've got one versus two. We got about five, ten minutes left. Let's sort of break it down. And I'm not going to tell you who we had winning until it's done. But we again formulated these matches. And out first, it was Vanessa Kanesh from Wake Forest going up against Amelia Garvey from Southern Cal. You don't ask them really tell me maybe who wins, but what stands out to you, Julie, about that opening battle between those two? I mean, I it's just when we get down to, to this and you're looking at the top players against each other, you know, it's, it's an any given day type of thing. And I know Vanessa had a great year. Um, I just, I like Amelia in that head to head match. So I think I have to give the first point to USC here. All right, Ryan match two, we had swing Lou against Gabby Ruffles. Which way would you lean to in that one? Uh, I'm going with Swing Lou. I, you know, I, I know uh, Ruffles has got obviously an exceptional record in match play and, and whatnot, but but I think there's again uh, a broken record here. But uh, the momentum and the the the, the revenge factor uh, helps Swing Lou, uh, the excitable Swing Lou, uh, go ahead and pull this one off. Amelia Miliacho versus Malia Nam in match number three, Brentley. Uh, would have to think it would be monumental for Amelia not to win. Well, that's what everyone would, you know. The record's believe. indicated. As Julie said, she's yeah. like 95% match play over the last five years everywhere. It would be monumental if she did not win. But it's, it's not like Malia Nam does not, you know, it's, it's not like she's a, a Division three player and, and, and no knock on Division three players. She's a very talented player and she's – arguably better in match play than she is in stroke play. And I just think she's the type of, of player that she's, she knows everyone expects Amelia to win. I mean, Amelia Miliaccio, she's great. She's a former uh, Annika uh, award finalist. Uh, she's great in match play. She's, you know, highly ranked, but I just see this as kind of a, kind of a coin flip because I think Malia Nam's going to, 
show up. She's going to rise uh, to the uh, occasion. She's going to love being the underdog. And to be honest, I think she's going to win. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold the press. Julie, I, I see the reaction. Please jump in and, and get this man straight. I feel like I'm bashing Wake here, but I, I'm really not. I really like Wake. It's just I, I like USC better. I just don't have any reason not to – I don't have any reason not to pick Amelia in a head-to-head -head format. I mean, there's very few players who would make me think twice about it. I think Gabby Ruffles might be one of those players, strictly looking at her match play background. But I think – I don't know. I just think Amelia has the poise. I think she has the game. I think <laughs> what's hidden is the killer instinct, right? Because she, you know, is such a smiley player. So it's, you know, the killer instinct part is kind of funny to me, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think Amelia is giving us any reason not to, to think she's going to go three and oh again. The only yeah, reason I could see it would have been if we've got a long week going, think about this now. Okay. We're in the, 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 third match uh, she's won uh the ncaa individual title we said so seventh <laughs> round of the week I and mean, there's a lot going on from that standpoint that's the only way however i think where she could uh you know maybe be knocked off here otherwise the momentum again is just too strong i think I yeah brentley being the youngest of our crew let, let me give you a little lesson whether it's wall street or a vegas casino don't ever try to time when the streak ends you continue to ride it out. So when Amelia Miliacho wins nine out of 10 times in match play, don't try to figure it out. Just continue to ride it out. Just a little, you know, something for your back pocket moving forward. Uh, as we have some fun, we're losing our sanity in the, at the same point. Uh, Rachel Keene, Allison Corpus. Uh, Keene, right out of the gate as a freshman, won her first event in college golf at the Annika one of the strongest fields you'll see all season long. Quite honestly, inconsistent after that. I think she would have her hands full against Corpus. Uh, also a, a bit of a coin toss to me. Uh, and then when you look at Lauren Walsh and Aliyah Abdelghani in the anchor match, let's say it gets there, guys. I'll quickly run through all of you. Brentley, if it comes down to match five, it's 2-2. Walsh, Abdelghani, where are you going? I got to go with Aliyah Abdelghani. She's won. At Greyhawk, she won the 2017 AJGA Thunderbird. I know that's going way back, and that was a long time ago, but it was really only three years ago. So I'm going Alea. I think Lauren Walsh, we, we saw her earn the clinching point at the Eastlake Cup, but no offense to the Eastlake Cup. It's a great event, and it's one of the highlights of my fall, but it's not the NCAA championship. And so I think Alea Abdelghani, the junior, with a lot of experience and a lot to prove, uh, she, she gets it done. Wake or USC overall, who wins it? I think I know where you're leaning, but Brentley? Uh, I'm going to go USC. We can get, all right, USC. Fight on. Julie, if it's coming down the stretch, who's going to prevail here at the end? I, I think if we get to the fifth match, then Wake Forest in, is in trouble. But, but I think that's the only way they're in trouble. I think that if they haven't won it in the first four matches, then – I think Abdul Ghani would be would decide it for USC. I, I think she would win that match. Ryan, I've got uh, Keen winning, so we don't have to get to that fifth match uh, in my <laughs> mind. But I would have even given it to Lauren Walsh. I did. I mean, again, it, it's very easy to tell where I'm coming from. But I think this team in Wake Forest, 
uh, gets these two freshmen on board. Obviously, they didn't experience what happened last year, and so they don't understand the bitter taste that the, the team walked away with. But uh, I, I think the, uh, the, the upperclassmen in this group rally these folks, and they realized what needed to be done, and they both uh, get it done on the final day. I've got Wake beating USC. Just I had Wake winning as well. Sorry, Brentley, go record. Yeah, just yeah. for the record, I, I had Rachel Keene winning her match, so it wasn't, it wasn't all USC. All right. Well, our team as a whole, not unanimous, but the consensus said Wake Forest would bounce back a year later after uh, being national runner-up in 2019. They would be the 2020 national champs at Greyhawk. And again, this is our simulation. We collaborated the best minds in college golf. We crunched some numbers. We didn't just wing it and throw names on a board and see who was going to win. It's a little levity at this time of the year. We're all disappointed that we're not out of Greyhawk for the NCAA championships. Again, no disrespect, no slights to who we picked, who we were tough against. It's fun. We're talking about it. And quite honestly, we're doing this because we miss it. We all want to be in Arizona for those back-to-back -back weeks of national championships. Hopefully, we will be back there in 21 and the world will be a better place. Uh, we will be back in a week or so. We will do the men's simulation as, uh, as well and see how that one plays out. And again, if you want some college golf flavor right now, you can check out Golf on Campus, presented by Golf Pride, a new five-part series hosted by Amanda Blumenhurst. She was pretty good at Duke. Last time I checked, she was the National Player of the Year three times. Features some of the top men's and women's programs in collegiate golf. Golf on Campus is available on Golf Channel's YouTube page. First release day, Monday, May 25th, 1 p.m. Eastern. Our thanks to Ryan Harrington, Julie Williams, Brentley Romine for having a little fun, putting in a little legwork, as the women's simulation says, Amelia Miliacho and Wake Forest, national champs for 2020. Until next time, I'm Steve Burkowski. Thanks so much for tuning in.